You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. To find more resources and learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We're continuing our series, Knowing Jesus, right in the Gospel of John. We're now in John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. We've been looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus in this small mini-series in the Gospel of John. And here we come to a very famous line where Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Starting in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, My testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is God's word. You know, this morning we're going to discuss what Jesus meant by this phrase, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what I'm going to do this morning, what I'm going to attempt to do is I am going to attempt to persuade you. I am going to attempt to convince you to change your mind, even uh, to how you view all of life. That after hearing this sermon, you will, change, you will leave changed men, changed women, changed children. That you will see your life differently because of this confrontation with truth. I hope that you will alter your life because of this sermon, and I think that you should. I hope that after hearing these words, you will change, you will understand, you will embrace this truth Because if you follow the truths in these words, you will have full confidence without a doubt that you will be with Jesus face to face one day in the fullness of joy. It's statements like this that got Jesus in trouble. It's statements like these that got Jesus in trouble. Statements like these that got people asking Jesus, who do you think you are to make such claims like this? Literally, you know, who died and made you king? And literally, like a few verses later, he says, just wait a couple weeks and I'll show you. (laughs) You know, I'm not speaking flippantly when I say, like, I really want to convince you. I want to alter your life. I want to change your mind. I want you to be convinced of something. Um, and And it's completely reasonable for you to ask me, you know, who gives you the authority to speak with such certainty? What gives you authority to speak with such conviction? You know, a a true sermon is not the opinion of a teacher, but it's a retelling of what God has said. Sermons are a proclamation of truth in order to persuade. These aren't my words. These aren't my truths. These aren't my opinions. 
Jesus speaks truthfully and confidently because he knows that he is right in everything that he says. This is what Jesus is actually doing in this passage. He's actually teaching. He says this, or we're we're given this context by the, the gospel writer, John, that he is there in the temple and he's teaching and he's confronted based on his sermon. And this literally here, this teaching in the temple, the word teach here literally means to speak with truth with the intent to persuade the morality and life of those who are listening. And that's what he's there to do. He's, try, he's saying, I'm giving you truth so that you will leave different. And that's what I want for you today as well. Today, we're gonna look at three truths that Jesus speaks in order to persuade and to change our mind, hopefully for the purpose of our transformation and here's the first truth that is we see is that Jesus agrees with everything that is true and everything that is true agrees with Jesus. He agrees with everything that is true and everything that is true agrees with him. When Jesus says that he's the light of the world, he means that there's no other light than himself. Elsewhere, Jesus says that he is the true light that has come into the world. There are two options in our lives. It is to follow Jesus or to walk in darkness. Those are the two options that we are presented with from Jesus. We either follow him, believe him, believe in what he says, or we walk in darkness. And this was the heart of the conflict with the Pharisees. They're the spiritual leaders that, that, that knew the law of God and memorized the law of God and were responsible for kind of guarding the integrity of God's word. And Jesus is here teaching and the Pharisees are saying, you speak lies. Isn't that something? You're a liar. To which he says, that's impossible for me to do because I know what you don't know. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. You don't know what I know. In fact, everything that I know will be judged according to truth and everything that I know and say will always be found to be truthful. And then he says, and I love this, I don't judge anyone. I don't judge. My father judges, but, but if I did judge, I would be right. <laughs> I hope you can appreciate that. I I don't judge, but just so you know, if I did, I'd be right in doing so and right in in my judgment of you. And actually it's so weird because right before this passage and after we do see Jesus judging. So a lot of times people say, oh, we don't judge. Jesus even said himself, he doesn't judge to say that, oh, we don't point out the wrongs of others. But Jesus is very clear that he does point out the wrongs and sins of others. And just later he says this of the Pharisees. He says, you will die in your sins if you do not follow me. And so Jesus is saying he's not one who judges. He is saying that that the father judges and, and you've judged yourself by not following me. The judgment of God is this, that he gave his son into the world to die for our sins. Jesus is saying, I don't speak on every topic, but if I wanted to speak on any topic, I would be perfectly true in everything I said about that one thing. There's so much that Jesus doesn't speak about. You know that, right? There's, the, the Bible is not an encyclopedia of all that can be known of all things. Jesus doesn't speak on everything. He doesn't give instructions on the best diet for optimal physical health, right? He he, he doesn't say that, that, he does not say all that there is to say about economic security. He doesn't tell us the outcome of this year's Super Bowl, does he? But if he did, he would be right. He says, I don't even tell you, and this is really where he's getting at. I don't even tell you what I know about what's going on in your heart right now. But if I did, I would be right. 
and I would see dishonesty, I would see sin, I would see pride, I would see all of this, I would see darkness. You don't know what I know. There's nothing in this world that will ever be found out to be true that will be inconsistent with Jesus or surprising to Jesus. Nothing. Nothing will be discovered in our natural world that will prove to, to be uh, against what Jesus has said. Nothing will be true. Uh, uh, no wisdom can be found that is better and more wise than Jesus' wisdom. It means that a person will never be right in saying, Jesus said a lot of good things, followed by the word, except, you know that statement is about to be horribly wrong. And yet we do that all the time. We take Jesus' words and the things that we like, we say, I'm going to integrate this into my life and into my habit and into my, my behavior and attitudes. But then there are other things that I don't know. I'm not really sure about those things. That will never be right. This doesn't mean that we can't find truth in places other than Jesus. If I need heart surgery, it'd be great if that surgeon was a Christian, but I really want them to have passed their classes in school. I want my cardiologist to know a lot about the heart and surgery. It doesn't mean that only truth is, that, that it doesn't mean that we can't find truthful things in other places, but it does mean if there's a therapist that is right, it's because that therapist is consistent with God's truth. If a scientist is right, if a politician is right, if a city planner is right, if a parent or a teacher is right, is ever wise, righteous, or good, it's because they, even unknowingly, are reflecting the righteousness, wisdom, and goodness of Jesus. To not follow Jesus is to walk around with a flashlight in broad daylight, thinking that we are discovering something good and important. Thinking that the flashlight that we follow is useful for something. It's a false light. When Jesus says that he is the light of the world, he means there is no other true light than him. That means every author we read, every podcast we listen to, every theologian that we believe, every politician that we listen to every opinion and every influence in our lives must be matched against the person and character of Jesus. That is where truth is going to be found. And they wanted to kill him for that. And you can see why. He is saying some very shocking things. Jesus must have been stunning his listeners when he was speaking. Whatever comes from his mouth is true and anyone that contradicts what he is saying is living in darkness. This is shocking to hear. It must have just been shocking for everyone to hear. But Jesus doesn't let these comments just stay in the theoretical. Right? For, for what he is about to say has immediate consequences. So he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so to believe his truth is to have immediate consequence for our life. This leads us to our second truth, that life is what we all need and this alone is found in Jesus. Life is what you need. He says, you will find the light of life. That means you don't have it without me. And to have it is to have me. 
So Jesus uses the, the analogy of light and darkness. We've talked about this at, at good length, I think, through the Advent season, so we don't need to repeat so much. But in telling this, in saying he is the light, and he's talking about light and darkness, he's explaining the truth of who he is and what he came to do. To expose darkness, to bring out uh, darkness, and to, uh, to bring his light, to bring rescue, to bring salvation, to bring healing and hope, to bring uh, newness. And it is meant to dramatically change the whole course of our life and the way we spend our lives. When you hear Jesus talking about life, um, life, I want you to think, are you prone to think of life in an eternal sense or in like a here and now kind of sense? Both of them are right. Both of those would be right, but are you more prone to think about, yes, I know God brought Jesus into the world, sent him into the world so that we may have life, uh, but this is really like life later. You know, right now we just gotta really muscle down and kind of get through it. Or are you thinking, you know, he's, he's, he's come to give me joy and he's come to give me comfort and peace and, and yet tomorrow who knows what's gonna happen because I'm really afraid about that. I want you to consider life this way. Look at these two passages put together, John 8, 12 and John 3, 16. Whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Look how strikingly similar these two verses are. These are virtually like synonyms of one another, where John 3.16 is underscoring the new creation that we have because of Jesus and the hope that awaits us in eternal life, that even though we die, we will live forever with him in a newness and glorified life. And John 8 underscores the life that we live now, the, the every day, the life that we live now as we walk with him each and every moment through the mundane things of life, through the tragic things of life. God's response to the tragic thing of sin and darkness in the world is sending his son Jesus. The life and death of Jesus reverses the effects of sin both now and forever. It reverses the effects of darkness wherever it is found. They are so similar in this. And, and we see how he, he means to show us how the gospel takes root in our life and changes us. It's like a seed that goes into the soil and it sprouts and then it grows and it bears fruit and it gives shade to those who are weary from travel. These analogies are given throughout scripture with Jesus. Think of the seed and think of the soil. We all understand the, the, you know, the imagery of light producing life. Putting a seed in the ground will not sprout without life. In fact, Apostle Paul tells us elsewhere, he says that unless the seed goes into the ground and dies, it will not live, it will not sprout. And so we know that the seed has to go into the ground, but it will not sprout without life. You can, you can flood it with water, you can give it good soil, but without sunlight, it will, not, it will not sprout. The same sprout will not grow without the same sunlight. Our lives are given purpose and meaning and restoration, re recreation, because of the light of God. The Bible tells us that without the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we're dead in sin and we need something outside of ourselves, a light from outside of ourselves to break through the darkness and breathe new life into our spiritually dead lives. And this has 
newness of life now where we walk not alone, but with Jesus. And it leads us onto a trajectory that ultimately culminates in eternal life with him. He shines life-giving light into us. But notice what Jesus does to us after he gives us new life. He's not like a light that shines on us and then turns off and lets us find our own way. As, the, as he shines light into our life to save us, he continues to shine his light into our lives to guide and sustain us. This light is not taken away. He doesn't say, okay, I forgive your sins. Now you find out the way to go. Growing up in, in central Ohio, we had a basement, like most homes there in Ohio, we had a basement. And it was the basement that people filmed a lot of horror movies in, I was convinced of. It's one of those basements. You picturing with me here? It's, a, it's that creaky wooden staircase. Yeah. We got it. We got it. Yes. Okay. We're having some trauma triggers here, I can feel. And, 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 but, and the light switch is at the bottom right? Because that's where you put it. And, and there's, it's darkness under, in the basement, but also there's lots of shadows. You don't know, like, why, how is that possible? Um, so those 12 steps on that staircase were the, were, the, were the most terrifying steps in my childhood. Going down in darkness, turning on the light, doing what I needed to do. And then that moment where I'm at the bottom of the stairs and I'm, I have to get up before the person behind me is chasing me. And I have to, but you got to switch off the light because that's a rule. And it was in my house. You're not allowed to leave lights on. And you turn it off and then running up those 12 stairs. I remember it like it was yesterday, the most terrifying 12 steps of my life. And I remember so many times getting to the top of the steps and really thinking to myself, that was a close one. <laughs> Next time might not be so fortunate, but I got out this time. Jesus is the light that stays on. I think a lot of times we think of life this way, like God, he brings light into our life. He sent us Jesus and he forgives our sins, but you're on your own for the rest of it. Oh, the light stays on. He's not like a light like others that turn off. He says, I, I give you new life. I shine into your life and I am there with you. He does not know how to be absent from his people. He says, if you follow me, whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For whatever reason, it's so easy to convince ourselves that Jesus loves us, he saves us, and then he thinks nothing of us until he comes back one day and, and, and takes us into his presence forever. Like we're just in this waiting period, just like waiting for him to return, hopeless and not with him. I, I have outgrown, thankfully, um, the fear of dark hallways and staircases. But, but there are things that cause me dread, there are things that cause me fear. There are things that cause me doubt and insecurity and suffering. And these are the effects of darkness that Christ has come even to bring comfort and security and truth even into those areas of life. He has come to drive out darkness wherever it is found. You're not on your own. You're not on your own to walk this path of life that is filled with sorrow, filled with grief, filled with pain and fear. Notice the, the daily continual language here. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. The Christian life is all about following Jesus. 
I'll say it another way. Following Jesus wherever he leads is the mark of the Christian life. How do you know that you belong to Jesus? How do you know that you believe him and trust in him? How do you know that you've embraced the truth that he has offered? It comes down to, are you following him? Do you follow Jesus? Are you walking where he walks? That's really it. If there is anything you do today for Jesus, the most faithful thing that you could possibly do for him is to follow him. What big thing that you feel you must do to satisfy God? I've got to be this kind of person. I've got to be this kind of character. I've got to have this kind of new record. I mean, he's, he made me a Christian and, and now I've got to prove that I deserved it. It's not that. The best thing you could do is follow him. You don't have to be a trained Bible scholar or an expert, but you need to be people who know God's word, learn to love it, and strive to live by it. Because your confession is one of, I follow Jesus wherever he goes. This is a life-changing verse. It will change your life. It'll change the way you see everything in your life, every decision, every desire, every fear, every uncertainty. It'll change the trajectory of your life if you follow him if you follow him. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's more than just like tagging along with Jesus, right? That's what happens, you know, my kids tag along when, I'm, when we, you know, we walk, we hold hands, and we'll walk down the sidewalk. It's not like that kind of following. It, it, it's, you know, I'm walking with my children in the park, I hold their hand, we're just walking casually, and that's not what it means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to deliberately position ourselves behind him and say, you move, I move. You stay, I stay. You run, I run. Wherever you go, I go. And Jesus is showing us an example of how to do this. He's saying, that's the relationship I have with God the Father. I could go on my way. I could. He says, I could do these things, but I've chosen not to. I've submitted myself in honor and obedience to my Father. And he says, I say. He goes, I go. He moves, I move. To believe in Jesus is to receive Jesus. To receive Jesus is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to give ourselves over to his leadership and lordship in every area of our life. Following Jesus changes everything. Here's his final truth. Well, not his, this is like final for today. There's a lot more. Following Jesus changes everything receiving his truth, following him, and then seeing a life that is changed abundantly and thoroughly. Here's how I'll show you. I want you to personalize John 8, 12. Personalize it. Put your name in here. I am Pete's light. If Pete follows me, Pete will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Would you take a minute and just personalize that? Put your name in there and hear these words from Jesus inviting you into a life abundant with his presence, abundant with his transformation and his truth. How does a personal invitation and promise like this impact your life? 
How would it impact your beliefs? How does it impact your behaviors, your dreams, your aspirations? How does it change your ideas about your behavior? What difference will following a statement like this make in your life? And so often we see the truth of God given to us and it causes great inconvenience, great pain, great change. And we say, I don't wanna give up those things. But look what he's saying, you're not giving up, you're actually getting the light of life, you're getting life itself. We're not giving up anything when we choose to follow Jesus but darkness. We're giving up darkness. Where is there hope in a verse like this for you? Where is there conviction in a verse like this for you? Maybe both, probably both. And that's what, that's what Jesus does. He speaks to both. He speaks, he speaks to both of us. If we are walking in darkness, this is meant to convict us. If we are walking as ones who are troubled, bereaved, and struggling, it is meant to give us hope. This is what Jesus does. His truth builds up the broken and it tears down the proud. Follow me, Jesus says. He's saying, whoever allows me to lead will find life. See, uh, the Christian life is often seen as like this partnership that we have with Jesus rather than following Jesus. My marriage is really good. It could use a little help. And so maybe if I get Jesus in there, we'll be a little bit better and kind of like well-rounded, you know? You know, my, my work is good. Imagine if I added Jesus to my work. You got a great personality. Imagine if I were a Christian, it would just take it up another notch. It's not a partnership where, we, where Jesus is just added to our life. The Bible does not give a context of thinking that Jesus and the Christian person consult with one another to think about how best we should live our lives. Jesus says, you know, here's where life is found. Everything else is darkness. And we say, that's a great point. Here's how I looked at it. And then we come together and Jesus says, you know, you're right, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Following Christ, we become like Christ and reflect his life in our life. You know, there's four C's of diamonds, right? I found that mostly guys know this, not girls. <laughs> there's a one studying them, it feels like, and buying them often. Cut, color, clarity, That never meant so much to me, <laughs> that, that one. That's the hardest one. That's what makes it so expensive. These four characteristics, right? They, these four characteristics go into determining the beauty of a diamond. And the most important factor with respect to beauty has to do with cut. What makes a diamond shine so much is the way that it is cut and the light hits the angles of the diamond, bounces around the diamond, and then goes back out the top of the diamond instead of going out the bottom of the diamond where the light is lost. That is why it sparkles every time it turns in the light. It is because of the way it is cut. A perfect diamond shape allows light to enter and then is reflected back out. That's what makes it sparkle. And it's the only C of the four C's that doesn't come natural to the diamond. The color, the carat weight, the clarity, it's all determined by natural formation of the stone. The cut is determined by human precision. So what? If we desire to have the light of life reflected in our life and changed in our life, we must depend on more than just natural ability. We must depend on the shaping and sharpening of Christ in our life. 
where he cuts us, he cuts the angles. He takes what is raw and unformed and he shapes us into what image? Into his image. The goal of our life, the agenda of God is to make us look more and more like Jesus. It's not to give you the best version of yourself. It is to make us more like Christ. And so whatever in our life that is, that is full of darkness and blemish, that doesn't reflect Christ, that's what he wants to cut. That's what he wants to redeem. And we must depend on the skilled shaping of Christ in our life, conforming us into his image. And that happens as we conform our lives to the truth of his word. While Jesus is defending what he's saying, he's, he tells those listening that his father bears witness. He says, everything I'm saying is true because this is all matched up. God, my father checks all this and it's all proven to be true. And they say, and where is your father? Where is your father? And Jesus says, you don't know me. You don't know my father because if you knew me, you'd know him also. And he's telling us something that is wonderful and that comes so wonderful to those who follow Jesus. All this time as Jesus has been talking about who he is, in a way he has been sharing the intimate relationship that he has with God the Father with us. He said, look at this relationship I have with God. He tells me what is true and I do what is true and say what is true. We have this perfect, loving, intimate relationship. So close, so connected, so united. He loves me and I love him. He loves, he loves um, glorifying me and I love glorifying him. And yet there are two, right? He says, by a witness of two people, me and God the Father. And so here we see something beautiful within the Trinity. There is this unity, there's this oneness, and yet there, are, there is this distinction in their personhood. But I want you to let this sink in of what it really means for us. He says, if you follow me, you can have that same relationship with God, your father, that I have with him. Behind this argument is something so beautiful. This intimate, loving, personal relationship that he has with God, the father, the almighty judge of all creation, one of perfect love, we can have as well. Not by our own merit, not by our character and our record, but because of Christ and his righteousness. Jesus is confident of who he is and the outcome of his life. Remember, I know where I'm going. I know where I came from. Well, how would you like to have that kind of confidence in your life? I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I know what awaits me. I know um, by what power and love I live by today. I am secure in who I am and what will happen to me. Even if it's pain, I know what I am. I know who I am. Would you like to have that? Jesus says, this can be yours. If you follow him, he glorifies the father and the father glorifies him and together they have this perfect relationship. Anyone who follows him has this relationship with God, their creator. The God who you once feared because of your sin, you now enjoy his love and affection and security right now and forever. Follow Jesus. If there's anything you do today, the absolute best thing you can do is follow him. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. Visit us at holycrosstucson.com to find more resources and connect with us.